May I please have your full and undivided attention? It is time for the Paranormal Rundown. Hello, this is Cedric Dinkworth-Smythe. You found your way to the 12th episode of the Paranormal Rundown. Tonight, Vic, JJ, Dave, and Father Mike choose from over 2,000 carefully curated paranormal topics. Tonight, you'll hear why you probably shouldn't bet your paycheck that the Earth is flat. We'll learn all about Vatican optical time travel, organic helicopter technology, and of course, the always fascinating and mysterious Father Malachi Martin. It'll be a ripping good time. As they say in the Jurassic Park series, hold on to your butts. Hello, everybody. This is Vic Hermanson. I'm here tonight with Dave Griffith, with J.J. Johnson, and of course, Father Michael Birdsong. This is the 12th episode. I noticed Dave back there looking up at the ceiling like, did he get that right? I was calculating. You got <laughs> he was, it. He was calculating. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got it right. The interesting situation during the last Paranormal Rundown was that we had a wonderful set of random topics come up. In fact, I remember JJ saying, this is the single greatest set of topics we've ever had. The topics were... Zozo, the Ouija board demon, Flat Eartherism, the Chronovisor, Malachi Martin, is he a liar, a warrior, a bishop, a cardinal? What the heck is he? Why wasn't the risen Christ recognized? And the Pope Leo argument with, or the Pope Leo overhearing an argument between Satan and Jesus, after which he wrote the St. Michael Prayer. And um, I believe that happened in 1888. And if they changed their mind and they just didn't like any of those topics, I added one more, which is, uh, if hell exists, is it empty or full? So, those are the prime, grade A, top-notch topics that we chose last week. And anybody who has a particular Jones to talk about any one of those, I'm ready to follow along. All of them. Uh, that's what I'm about to say. <laughs> every one of those are. Every one of those can make a wonderful episode. So we've already episode. discussed Zozo. I'm not going to discuss Zozo anymore. Right. So what was the next one? Flat Eartherism. Let's, Let's talk do about it. Flat Eartherism. <laughs> And, and but but see guys you, you you don't know the reason why I say that and and I and I'm ashamed to say it I have people in my own family mm. that have all of a sudden fell prey to this crazy nonsense idea that the earth is flat may I ask a question yes how many of them took a high school or junior high school physics course. Every one of them. Wow. And and I and I can I can 
tell them or look at them and say, we have satellites up in space now, correct? And they mm-hmm. will say, yes. Mm-hmm. And you can see all the other planets. What do they look like? Were they round? <clears throat> they look like spheres. <laughs> I said, what does Earth look like? Well, it looks round, but it may be flat. I'm like, has everybody lost their blooming mind these days? Uh, okay, but, but Father Mike, what you're missing here is they they actually don't look round. They look like circles. Well, true, true. They give the appearance with shading of being round, but but that's a facade. Well, now you're that's sounding like them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, 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 the main question that one has to ask, because as far as I know, there are no flat earthers in my family. Every other kind of weirdness you can imagine. I'm ashamed to say it. I'm like, well, they're not on my side. They're on Sonny's side, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God she's laying down right now. (laughs) JJ, any flat earthers in your family? I'm sure. My, My family is filled with rapists. And axe murderers, <laughs> but to my knowledge, we don't have one flat earther. Okay. I don't know whether that is to our credit or not. <laughs> <laughs> you almost sounded like Alice's restaurant there for a little minute there, JJ. Mother rapers, father rapers. Father rapers, father stabbers. Uh, Dave, what about you? Uh, no flat earthers in my family that I'm aware of. Um, but I do find the whole topic fascinating. But We've see, talked, is, you and I have talked about it a this bunch. This is 2023, man. Come on. Really? Well, I got to tell you, if you go out and look at some of these websites and you look at some of the posts out on X, right, formerly known as Twitter, there are some interesting explanations for how all of this works. Really? Oh, Yes. Well, yes, they're it, they're interesting if you if you haven't taken any kind of math beyond grade school. Or, <laughs> I must be yeah. living with my head in the sand or something because I'm not I'm not seeing this mess. They have gotten to the point to where they actually have um, experiments you can do yourself with line of sight. That supposedly explain how the Earth cannot be round. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not a, a big scientist, right? I, so I don't even bother going down that road. I just, I've <clears> just <throat> looked at him and gone, wow, these guys have really, really worked hard at this, right? So, yes, people do work extremely hard to support their delusions. Well, they so there is a Google Earth alternative that depicts the flat Earth. Uh, There are applications which go through and explain the only fantasy quality uh, cosmology that they have come up to explain half the crap that they have. However, the I think the biggest own that I've ever seen, and y'all, y'all may have seen it, is a set of videos going around where there was a group of flat earthers that sat there and purchased a $20,000 piece of equipment 
which is whoa, that was a major camera shoot. <laughs> uh, uh. A major 20,000 piece of equipment that was supposed to be able to uh, detect curvature or something else. That was a laser ring gyroscope. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to disprove that, you know, yeah, the Earth is spherical, but instead it proved that it was. And the look of disbelief that was on their faces was just... A thing of beauty. If I, I'm ever having a truly bad day, that's what I picture, and I know I'm going to be all right. <laughs> I can almost quote him. He said something like, uh, if the Earth were rotating and spherical, we'd have a 15 degree per hour drift. And we're not going to find that. And then later on in the day, he says, huh, we've got a 15 well, one, degree one per... One of the other things about the flat earthers is, 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 is along with that... They don't know if gravity really exists either. Oh, yeah. I'm like, so, okay, so how how are you standing on the ground? How are things falling? I mean, I just, I just, I'm sorry, guys. I just don't understand. (laughs) I understand it, actually. Well, I think I do. Somebody's got to give me some concrete evidence. (laughs) I, I think that there's... There's two or three different types of, of people that believe in the flat earth theory. More like five or six, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, all right. Well, yeah, that's fair. You've done more research on this than I have. But some people are are looking for some sort of sort of rage against the machine conspiracy to be a part of, right? I, I just don't want to be part of the normal. This sounds interesting. They get into it. Some, you know, arguments are made, and they're like, yeah, you know, okay, sure, and I'll jump along with this. They are just looking for something to be a part of that is rebellious mm-hmm. in the modern world. Mm-hmm. There's also people who are taken in on it that just don't have the education or uh, you know, enough knowledge to know any better. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't like a good conspiracy, right? The man's out to get you. <laughs> they are telling us the other, you know, the world is round, right, Vic? Remember the, or who was it that brought up the topic? The invisible they? The invisible so, they, yes. Although I think... JJ and I had different ideas about what that was, but, <laughs> yeah. but right, they think the world is round, and uh-huh. let's 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 stick it to they, right? Let's let's stick it to them. Let's let's prove that they're wrong. They're just trying to pull one over on us, and uh, and then you have you know you do I think have some some true believers that mm-hmm. they really 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 think that this is the deal, and they. I think those are the ones that come up with these really creative explanations for all of the stuff that doesn't fit. Well, as I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I think that a lot of the people that are just in it to be in it are those that are looking for something to make them feel special. What can differentiate me? And, oh, if I believe in this, then... 
suddenly I have a inbuilt community and I can go to town on it. And yeah, I but can buy that. they don't want to take the time to learn calculus and coding and <laughs> like exactly. That. But then you also have those that are in it purely for financial gain. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Social media is driven all from engagement. And what is the most sure-fired way of engagement? Rage. Mm-hmm. Well, I at one time, and I wish I had, I had this piece of writing in front of me. I at one time broke it down into who, what the percentage was I thought people fell into. And I'm just going to break them down. I mean, you've got about 50% of these people are simply... Trolls who enjoy stirring up trouble. There's that's I'm sure that's at least fifty percent. You've got those people who have found out that, huh? If I go on YouTube or Twitter or anywhere else and I start saying ridiculous things, then yes, yeah, some people will hate me, but some people will like me. Whether they hate me or they like me, they'll give me clicks. Right. <clears throat> and you know what percentage is that? I don't know. Let's say fifteen percent. Then you've got a group of people who really are, I came up with a term, the term I used was epistemopathy. Um, Okay, epistemology being the study of of learning, how you learn, how you know what you know. Uh, Epistemopathy would be an illness concerning how you learn, how you know what you know. And I think probably about... 20% of these people really do have a problem with putting together ideas in their mind, putting together a cohesive picture of something in their mind. So let's say that's, what would we say that? We'll say that's 20%. That gets us up to uh, 85%. Um, Then you have maybe 5% of people who really are, I guess I can't be much more charitable, nuts. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, they really are nuts. They they just do not uh, jibe with the real world. <clears throat> then you've got what I think are mostly younger people who are very, very sincerely hoping that this is true. I've even seen essays from these people. This one, this one guy wrote. He was writing to me. He said, "Look, I just want the Earth to be flat." And I said, and I said, why? And he said, well, it's just more exciting. You know, that's that's the the explorer nerd part of me. I should be able to go out and explore new lands. And well, why can't you? <laughs> and, I mean, I guarantee you, there are places in Washington State where there hasn't been a human for five hundred years. Mm-hmm. You know, there are places that you can easily go and explore. But he had this. Deep emotional attachment to it. He was also intellectually honest. And I'm almost certain that if you have any intellectual honesty in you, that after you go through the swamp for a while, there's this that little itch in your head that's going to say, oh, that was silly. I, I need to move on to something else. Um, and then you've got some psychopaths. People who really like uh, damaging other people. <laughs> I think so it's a I f- wonder I wonder if part of the fall off is that the Bermuda Triangle so that's why ships disappear. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's where that, that, that's where the so okay, okay, okay. The new father bird song theory <laughs> is that the edge of the flat Earth isn't located on at Antarctica. It's actually located between Cuba and Florida and southern Georgia, right? <laughs> and the Bahamas, and, and yep. uh, so ships hit up that way, happy as they can be. Next thing you know. They're gone. They're gone. Just like planes. I mean, they just they just fly out of the atmosphere into space all of a sudden. Well, <laughs> two things. <laughs> when I was about thirty, I paid a what was it fifteen or twenty pound membership fee to the Flat Earth Society. <clears throat> In England, the original Flat Earth Society. Okay. And I, because I, because I wanted the piece of paper to put up on my wall, saying, "Oh, the map." You know, no, it was. It was oh like, no, this is a certificate. Okay. Yeah, this is like a gotcha. certificate. You know, uh, you know, Victor is a, a genuine member of the Flat Earth Society. Now, what those guys were about was learning to argue ridiculous points. They were rhetoricians. They didn't think for one second that the Earth was flat. They just realized that, hey, if I can learn to argue that effectively, I can probably argue just about anything. Kind of like in, in, in yeah. you know, I've known people in law school who, when you go into law school, you have to argue both sides of the case. JJ's done debate. You have to, you have to show up at that debate with a fully developed argument, pro and con. Okay, so this is, this is rhetoric. I kind of respected that. <laughs> Plus, it was kind of cool to have uh, had that certificate on my wall. I don't know where it is. <laughs> Excuse me, I got lost in a move or something. But I don't think those guys are even around anymore. And here, here's the thing: it's it's like talking to anybody who truly believes in a conspiracy. Their facts do not matter. Nope. Yeah, yeah, facts do not matter at all. In fact. It seems to me like the more facts you throw at them, the harder it is they cling to that belief. Right. Yeah. There's got to be a name for that phenomenon. But oh, it, I guarantee that there is, and it has to be <laughs> Germanic in nature <laughs> with 15 consonants. But, <laughs> but you know what? I, you know, I liken the belief of hollow earth to that of flat earth but i would feel really bad for those people that believed in both because you would just fall through <laughs> sorry that was bad but anyway i just i hear hollow earth and i've heard more than a few of the modern incarnation of coast to coast am episodes on it and yeah, I just leave my. I just leaves me scratching my head, and honestly, flat Earth is the exact same phenomenon, just even more so. Well, but there were better stories with the Hollow Earth. I mean, you had the story of what Admiral Admiral Byrd flying into the Earth and being met by flying saucers and transported to the place of the inner sun. Yeah, but I'm talking about these are the people that actually went out and they have a financial. 
a financial gain to actually promote this crap. Now, one of the guys who uh, I don't even I don't even want to remember his name uh, went on there and started to talk about how he was funding exhibition ex, um, into the hollow earth. And then the rest of his books were all about how the Nephilim control the world. And the sad part is, is that he was, and he claims, God only knows if he is, an engineer. And I'm like, no, no, no. You are giving those of us who happen to be proper engineers who are in this particular <laughs> field a really, really bad name. Please mm-hmm. shut up. JJ, well, are you suggesting the Nephilim don't control the world? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right. We're going to have to have a discussion. No, well, no, 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 no. The, the, the Nephilim have all become Bigfoot. <laughs> there you go. Obviously. Those are just the, the ones that control the world. That's their stooges. They go around and do stuff for them. Come All right, on. I'm going to go into nerd mode here for a second. All four of us are fully capable of going into nerd mode, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it right now. So Josh said, I thought we were always in nerd mode. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so if you really want a uh, an exercise in frustration, find a flat earther, get him to talk, and start asking them the following kind of questions. Have you ever heard of the French geodetic, geodetic expedition of 1734? No. I think I have, but go ahead. Okay. The idea was there was no real question among the people in the French geodetic expedition of the world being flat or round. They knew it was round. They just didn't know if it was perfectly round, perfectly spherical. There was a thought that, okay, we're rotating, so probably the Earth flattens out a little bit at the poles, gets a little bit fatter in the middle, and it does. By like 40 kilometers. Can I interject a question real quick? Like, yeah. Why, why, while you're on that frame of mind that you're talking about right now, uh-huh. uh, you just mentioned both the poles, right? Uh huh. Okay. So if the earth was flat, that would tell me a compass would not even work. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> that's true. Your Honor, I rest my case. No Honor, further I rest questions. My, I rest my case. But you forget the magic stones that are buried in the ground that actually make the compass oh, think that it's Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on, oh, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad somebody knows what's going on. Good job, JJ. All right, so... The French and the Italians were both participating in this. I know this is boring, but let me finish. No, no. (laughs) They sent one team to South America. Kind of seems like around Costa Rica, that area. And they sent another team way up north, like Greenland, someplace like that. And their job was to measure one degree of both latitude and longitude, okay, using thousands and thousands of triangular measurements, measuring the spherical excess. So, I mean, you realize if you take a, you take a ball, just a basketball, and you start at the very top of the basketball, and you draw 
a line all the way down one side and then down another side and connect that, you, have, you still have a triangle. All the math for triangles still works for that. But you end up with internal angles equaling greater than 180 degrees. And this is something that flat earthers don't seem to want to address. <laughs> so you can, you can go anywhere you want in the world. You can measure these huge triangles and you will get internal angles greater than 180 degrees. And they did this in 1734 using, you know, telescopes and tripods and chains and ropes and things like that. Big, Did you just uh, try to make us math on the rundown? <laughs> Everybody just went went volume just went low. For yeah, I know, I know. I, I made it. I made an error. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> this is not that kind of show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and then <clears throat> I mean, one of the things that, that you can't get across to these people is that guess what the most carefully measured object in existence is sun nope carefully measured object yeah. i don't know i uh, the well i don't know what it, it's the earth oh mama oh, oh mama <laughs> all, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway it is the most carefully measured object that there is and you know with <clears throat> trillions and trillions and trillions of measurements now you know, using satellites, using surveys, all of this. is the, the Earth has been defined down to one millimeter over the entire planet. However, none of that really matters. If they, you're somebody who believes in the flat Earth, doesn't matter. You, you're, you're still missing the point. <laughs> that is if you believe those satellites are real. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're actually going around the Earth. Yeah, those guys, right? they, they do um, talk about that. And you know, that leads you know. us all back to the very first episode that I ever joined in on. Mm -hmm. I believe we talked about did man really land on the moon? So now we <laughs> yes. got to talk about that. Yeah. And, yeah. But, but I hate to go back to our nerdness and dorkiness. But you, you mentioned everything would be like a triangle, no matter the math that you put in it, right? Well, no, I mean, so, it's, it's, you have spherical geometry. Right. So so I mentioned that about the compass, right? Mm hmm So if we equate that math, now correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. and, we, and it all points back to that triangle, and everything is 180 degrees, right? So on, on a flat on a flat plane, a triangle is always on a flat plane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So no matter where you turn, since I mentioned the compass, so no matter which direction you turn, you're always going to be pointing north in, right? Right. Mm -hmm. According to one of the maps that they use, which is the it's they say it's the same map that the uh, the the United Nations uses. So their little logo, <laughs> but 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 what I'm trying to get to is, doesn't that math equation prove themselves wrong? No, they they just they'll say the math doesn't. They'll say the math is wrong. The math don't work. Yeah, okay, they, they'll say right. 
That's correct. Yeah, they'll say the, they'll say okay. the math is wrong. They'll say, look, I had a guy who actually turned out to be a really good guy on Trailer Trash Terrors. And I'm, I've been wanting to have him back on because we didn't finish our conversation. But we just haven't really been able to, to arrange that. So his statement was that all these things we think are satellites, all these things that they say are satellites are actually what he called saddleloons. It's a, uh, it's now, what a, is that? It's a balloon way up high. Helium. Yeah, well, yeah, helium. Yeah, it's a balloon way up high. <laughs> oh, my God. That's doing oh my what, God. The, what the satellites <laughs> okay. are supposed to be doing. <laughs> and, and I'm saying something like, well, you know, they're going about 17,500 miles an hour. Uh, how do you get a balloon to go that fast? <laughs> I got to hear what Annabelle's got to say about this. That's all I got to say. Hello, this is Annabelle Lee. I forgot my last name long ago. I'm not sure I ever actually knew my last name, as it played very little role in my day-to-day life. I was born in 1854 in Louisville, Georgia. For reasons that are too complex to discuss here, I exist 51 Planck time units ahead of universal real time. I'm not even sure why I have been called here. Hey, I'm not even part of this podcast. I'm part of Trailer Trash Terrors, and I am fully accustomed to rescuing Vic Hermanson. But I can discuss the shape of the Earth, and for that matter, any celestial body of adequate size. The Earth is essentially spherical because it simply has no choice in the matter. That occasionally makes it angry, but too bad. Any adequately large collection of mass must act essentially as a liquid. This property of matter is called hydrostatic equilibrium. Any liquid mass in free fall will assume the shape of the sphere because matter is, well, lazy and wishes to expend as little energy as possible. The Earth can only be a sphere for the same reason that one cannot make high-compression V8 engines from mashed potatoes. Flat Earthers, I don't know how to be more kind about it, as you are full of beans to the brim. So, the... The whole flat earth thing to me, it, it, there's really nothing interesting at all in terms of the argument as to flatness or sphericity. There's a lot of interesting stuff about the way human minds work. Yeah. I agree. I mean, we just keep going backwards, unfortunately. I mean, the Greeks proved that there was a curvature to the earth. And um, they 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 calculated the size within about five percent or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the head of the Library of Alexandria at the time, he heard that there was a city south of Alexandria, which, if you stuck a pole in the ground, then at noon there was no vertical shadow. And then he looked at what there was in Alexandria, and same time there was <laughs> there was a vertical shadow that was seven degrees offset. Mm-hmm. And based upon that, Aristotle then calculated roughly what the circumference of the Earth was going to be, just based upon that curvature. So mm-hmm. what you're telling me is that that is where 
the math originated and the science that they've been using to pull the wool over our eyes ever since. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That'd be accurate. Well, now we know the bastards to blame. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. That That is, that is really the thing that's fascinating about this is, I mean, I've gone down a few conspiracy rabbit holes in the past couple of years. This one is an interesting one because there really is an attempt to explain every possible uh, disagreement you could have on why the Earth is not flat. You come up with an answer, they come up with it. You come up with a proposal, they come up with an answer. But behind it all, no, they don't. Everything, well, at the surface level, right? But behind all that. When they reach a point to where you go, but we this is the proof we have, it always turns into, well, that's fabricated. Or it'll turn into something like, well, what about this? Well, what about this? I mean, yeah, we're off to a different thing, and you're not. Yeah, what do you, yeah. what do you call that kind of arguing? A gish gallop arguing? Where, <laughs> yeah, or just whataboutism. Yeah, whataboutism, hey. where you, you, you never can. I mean, when I, when I talk to. Keith and these other people, I mean, I, I've made it clear. Okay, here's the deal. We're not going to do any whataboutism. <laughs> if, if there's a particular uh, topic that we're talking about, we're talking about it until somebody can no longer support that topic. You see, but, all all this reminds me of when Josh and Jessica were five and six years old. Yeah. And no matter what I told them, their comeback was always, well, why? Well, that's, yeah, that's a, but that's what five and six reason why, well, then why? <laughs> yeah. Then why? Because I said so, damn it. That's why. <laughs> I mean, you, you sure was it yesterday? Uh, well, hello. It might have been yesterday. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't, don't let Josh kill me, please. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he, he's looking what? around. What did JJ say? <laughs> <laughs> I never grew out of that. I I loved it when my kids did that. But <laughs> by the time you're 40, you should be having a different set of questions. Exactly. <laughs> as, to, as to why. The other thing yes. that I also yes. love. Why is there something rather than nothing? That's a very good question. <laughs> the other, and guess what? I can't answer that question. <laughs> Nobody can. Yep. The other thing I love about the, the flat earther stuff is – that it's not bound to the earth, right? Once you get over the wall in Antarctica, now you're off to other realms, and they map out all these other realms and all of these mythical places that show up in mythology. Oh, well, that's a realm. Here is where it is on the map. And they have these huge, massive maps with all this lore around them on expeditions and this and that. It's very rich in uh, creativity and imagination. So it's kind of Dungeons and Dragons and Lord of the Rings. And- yeah. Well, that, that's a, what I was about to say. That's a, where we go into Third Earth and the, the Hobbits and the Elven yeah, Middle, world Middle Earth, and all yeah. that. Absolutely. Well, I guess the thing that I, I find most entertaining 
when I talk to these people is the idea of the firmament. Ah, you, you, okay. You, you guys know the idea of the firmament? The firmament was, was void, and that's what God made earth out of. Yes. And, yeah, and there's all, all kinds of poetic, fun language in the Bible about the firmament. But they take the whole idea of the firmament literally in that there is a, in the minds of many of these people, an actual glass dome, glass, covering the entire flat earth. So <clears throat> now, of course, it's up. So it's so <coughs> it's such a big dome that you can't really see the the top of it. Wasn't there wasn't there a TV series recently where there was suddenly a big dome around a a city or a county or something? Yes, that was on Netflix, I believe. I can't remember the name of it, but I watched it. It was pretty cool. There have been shows and books like that for years. Yep. Stephen King wrote mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an interesting one, the way that one ended. Um, but I remember seeing one about aliens that had put a dome around a town or something. When that was called, that that's was, it. That was called Fantastic Invasion of Planet Earth. Ah, okay, okay. Now I've seen that one, but but the one, the one I can't remember the name of the one that I'm thinking of, but it had to do with a uh, a a teenage boy and girl finally figured it out. Hello, this is Avalon Leanne Dankworth Smythe. Unfortunately, Vic Hermanson had a severe attack of neurological flatulence at this point in the recording process. He spent the better part of a minute stumbling over his words trying to discuss the second launch of the SpaceX integrated Super Heavy and Starship stack. It was a magnificent launch, with all 33 Raptor engines igniting and accelerating the stack toward the heavens with approximately 17 million pounds of thrust. For those of you outside of the US, that's about 7.7 million kilojoules. That's a bunch! Anyway, the huge rocket stack successfully passed Max-Q as well as hot staging. Next, the booster performed a flip maneuver and reignited some of its 33 engines to propel itself back toward Boca Chica. At that point in time it exploded in a resounding and magnificent manner. Kablooey! And what they what they were saying was, oh, it ran into the firmament. <laughs> <laughs> and the you know the, the uh, if if you get meteorites, this kind of thing, that's parts of the firmament falling, falling. off, falling off. Huh. Yeah, I mean, that'd be my first guess. I mean, I mean, here's the thing: these arguments that they put together are intricate, complex. Yeah, they are. There's, there are a lot of parts of them that you have to keep in your mind at one time. I'm just trying to figure out why they chose that to exercise their brains. <laughs> okay, the the series that I was talking about, uh-huh. it is the same one that David just mentioned uh-huh. by Stephen King. It's, it was called Under the, Under Dome. the Dome. Under the Dome, okay. Yeah. Uh, Chester's, Chester's Mill, Maine. Okay, I haven't seen that, but I've read the book a long, long time ago. Yeah, this it was pretty good. Yeah. I watched it. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, are you? Are you? Here's here's the important question: uh, Are you guys in the turtles all the way down camp? 
or are you on in the uh we're Earth just tucked is, in. Earth is sitting on the back of four <laughs> elephants who are on a really massive turtle. I do love <laughs> that idea of the elephants on the turtle. I do, too. I, I really like that one. It has an extra dimension to it. And yeah. <clears throat> well, that's Terry Pratchett. And the, he, gave, he gave those elephants great names, too. <laughs> it's not just Pratchett. There's also a modern take on that. Um Garrett Garen Whited, mm-hmm. he wrote a series of books, and the thing is, is that you can't really classify them as a particular thing. It started off as a guy who got turned into a vampire, but then learned how to do magic, went to an alternate. Re, uh, a, a, a another world, a portal to another world, and then that led to other worlds, and it just keeps going from there. And each one of these books is like a thousand plus pages, and they they get just absolute bonkers, but they're actually really good. <laughs> I can see them being very entertaining. I, I was rather impressed. I think the first one's called the Night Lord or something like that. But yeah, I've. I always recommend those. World with so portals to other worlds reminds me of C.S. Lewis. Wasn't that yeah. uh, in... in? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Narnia. Guys, do y'all realize this is the, since my time, the very first topic that we began the show with and have been talking about it for almost an hour? This is <laughs> this this has turned out pretty doggone good. I like it. <laughs> Esteemed gentlemen of the Paranormal Rundown, this is Cedric Dankworth-Smythe. I believe you've covered this topic extremely well, and I think it's quite imperative that you move on to some other topic. Uh, I have nothing to say. I mean, uh, I am I am flabbergasted about this old subject. So, when it comes time for Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner, do these flat earthers in your family, are you all around the same table? No. Okay. <laughs> well, well, that'd be more fun. I, that'd be more fun than politics. I mean, no, I would make them sit at the children's table. <laughs> make sure the table's round. <laughs> it's actually, I'm somewhat grateful. I'm somewhat. <laughs> I stepped all over you, JJ. What did you say? Oh, I was just saying. Okay, you go to Antarctica. You go to the other side. <laughs> you go to the Bermuda Triangle. How much time have any of you spent in the Southern Hemisphere? I mean, my God, not a lot. Did What's you? That? Huh? Oh no! Wait, have I even been? This? I have never been. No, I don't think I have either. No, I haven't. I've been to the Southern Hemisphere <clears throat> in Australia, and the the very, very first thing that you notice, I was down there camping. I was out in the desert camping. <laughs> and, you know, was you going on a walkabout? No, I was actually working. I was actually, I was actually, but I did do a whole lot of walkabout stuff. I've got some, I have some interesting Australia stories, some I've never told, but, um, Perfectly clear skies, cold, more stars than you can possibly imagine. 
not a single artificial light for 20 miles. <clears throat> I bet that was beautiful. Any direction. And an upside down moon. <laughs> ah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, you, you can... You can visualize what the moon looks like in your head. I mean, you can see Tycho. You can see, you know, the the big mare. Well, just take that and turn it upside down. <laughs> well, that disproves in itself a flat Earth. Then a flat Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing an upside down moon. Yeah, it's because we're on the that, other side of the. That disproves the flat. Oh Earth. yes, that yes, that does disprove the flat Earth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Doesn't well, matter. and the other question, and then I'll, I, this is my final statement, is why are why do hurricanes and typhoons never cross the boundary of the equator? Coriolis force, forces. Oh. There's a five degree band on either side of the equator, which mm -hmm. they don't, because if they did. If it's a hurricane, it would have to stop its motion and then start <laughs> and twisting the other, the other direction. Way. Yeah, start, start yeah. twisting the other way. All of its power. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to put an invitation out there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is is that true? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're I, in, if you're in the, I north, am not. I am not the the smart guy in the room. So I didn't know if he was messing with us or not. If you're in, if you're in the north, you're your large circular storms are going to spin clockwise. Okay. Okay. And then the Southern hemisphere is counterclockwise. Right. Just like if you were emptying a drain, water flows one direction right. in the North and the other direction in the South. Yeah. It's, okay. Except I'm wondering. Hi, everybody. This year's Wilbur. I am the ethereal pest control expert. Well, I'm not even sure why I'm here because I'm not part of uh, the paranormal rundown either. I'm part of Trailer Trash Terrace, but something's weird tonight. I mean, Annabelle's here. Uh, everything just kind of seems to be getting mixed up. I think maybe it's because Vicar Manson and J.J. Johnson have been making so dang many mistakes. You know, between them, they've uh, probably got an IQ somewhere oh, above 300 points or so. Well, they ain't dummies. But man, they are not really utilizing that uh, extremely high IQ this evening. Not sure why. Especially since Victor Manson used to live in Houston. And he's experienced a bunch of hurricanes. Sometimes they'd, you know, the, the winds, as soon as it's coming across Galveston, those winds would be coming out of the north. And when the eye got to you, I mean, they were, those winds were something. 80, 90, 110 miles an hour. Blow your lawn chairs over. Anyway, when... Uh, the eye got to you, got all calm and weird sounding, and there's this weird feeling in your ears. And then when the uh, the other side comes along, those winds are coming up right out of the south. That's a that's a thing that's turning counterclockwise. It ain't turning clockwise, like Victor Manson said. Oh well, I guess the boy deserves some some credit for trying. Anyway, when you're in the north, you got a hurricane. It's gonna be turning counterclockwise. When you're in the south. And you get a typhoon, that puppy's going to be turning clockwise. And both of them are probably going to be bringing scads and scads of satanic mindworms where I come in to kind of help you try to get rid of them their critters. Anyway, just to let you know, this is Wilbur, the ethereal pest control expert. I'm wondering if I just got that wrong. Well, if I did, guess who will correct me? <laughs> Avalon. Avalon. Yeah, Avalon or, or, uh, or Cedric. 
put a lot of Cedric in the in the last uh, rundown specifically because you asked for it. I love Cedric. He is he's my hero. <laughs> well, this is Vicar Manson, and I'm putting an invitation out there. If you are listening to the Paranormal Rundown and are indeed a dyed in the wool, ready to die for your beliefs, flat earther, please, please, please contact me. Contact hey, me through us. Paranormal Rundown. Contact me through Trailer Trash Terrors. Just contact me. If you want to come on either of the shows and talk about it, I'd be happy to bring you on. We'll no, treat you I, well. would, I would veto this show. You can do yours all day long. <laughs> I have no interest in talking to those individuals. <laughs> you know? but that's just me. Okay, well. I'll be happy to sit that one out if you want me to. Let me go, Jake. No, I just have no time for such. <laughs> well, so the reality is, is you can only come on the rundown if you've got a good sense of humor. So that's true. Exactly. Keep up a good sense of humor, and we could have fun. We can have that's fun, right? Okay, that um, that worked well. I'd say that was there was no awkwardness. We just got right into the topic. Everybody had something to say. It went well, man. I loved it. <laughs> What's next? All right. Let's go back to my list here. And let me turn that one red. Because I don't ever want to talk about that again. <laughs> <laughs> Is this one the chronovisor? Well, we have the chronovisor. We have Malachi Martin. We have why was the risen Christ not recognized? And we have the St. Leo vision of Satan saying he was going to destroy the church. Hmm. Let's go for the chronovisor. Let's, Let's just take them in order. Okay. This may be a part one and part two episode. There you go. I, I I cannot give you any factual information about the chronovisor in that I have forgotten the priest's name. I guess I can kind of place it in time. Uh, tell uh, me first. Tell me what does, the chronovisor is. Does everybody is. know what the chronovisor is? Nope. No, I'm ignorant of that. JJ, you want to give him the chronovisor rundown? JJ's eating something. So I will start the chronovisor rundown. Okay. The story is that a priest who was assigned apparently to the Vatican doing work there started building an instrument that would allow him to see in the past, allow him to see what had happened back in time. And the story that he told was that he was working with Enrico Fermi and Nikola Tesla and Albert Einstein and, you know, all of these world-class intellects to build this machine. And that he could take pictures off this machine. And so there is a picture of Christ that was a, supposedly came off the chronovisor. Now, you can find exactly the same picture in a another book, <laughs> you know, or you know that was published a long time before the chronovisor was built. But I guess you could argue some kind of um, time warp dilation weirdness, weirdness. But that's that's the general story of the chronovisor. Do you guys <clears throat> ever see the show Devs? Devs? Yeah. I think it was on D -E Amazon. DVS? Yeah. DEVS. Like developers? Yep. 
Okay. All right. This was uh, this was in twenty twenty, and it was it was a great little show. Uh, it was like a it was like a little mini series, um, and I think it was like eight episodes or something. And it involves quantum computers and everything else, but the general idea was because of the quantum computer that they built, they could track every particle in the world. Okay. And they could, based on its movement, its trajectory, they could calculate its history, where it came from. And because they could track all the particles, they could go back and see in the past where everything was. Okay, so suddenly in this world, the universe became totally deterministic. Correct. So that was, and that was an interesting part of the show. So their idea, the one thing that they talked about was that nobody ever had true free will. They could never make their own choice of anything because everything was predetermined because of the trajectory of everything that had happened in the past. And that breaks at the end of the show. But it, it was it was very, very interesting. But they went back and had this like display that was sort of like this uh, holographic thing, sort of black and white. And they saw they were, Christ being crucified. So, they were building right. that image from tracing every particle back yes. in time. Yes. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it was an interesting um, show. I bet the people that wrote that show had never heard of the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> where it is impossible to know that. Well, it's it, it's also attributed to where all that experience that you guys are talking about right now and him capturing the crucifixion of Christ that also made Father Ernetti a very prolific exorcist. Really? That's that's what I'm reading about it. Uh, Yeah. He was a supposedly a very top-notch exorcist and because he went back in time and actually saw and captured the crucifixion of christ it gained him great power Hmm. uh for a start he was known as one of the most prolific exorcists from venice and he was also an expert in gregorian chants he was famous as a musical as well as a biblical scholar. I'm sure he was. Yeah, it sounds like he was an extremely brilliant man. And a well, renaissance, I don't know a, how a renaissance brilliant man. he is to think he had a never mind. But anyway, <laughs> well, what, everything you're describing here is it's a man who's got tremendous intellect and the ability to. Yeah, s- to uh, excel in a lot of areas. Yeah. A, a renaissance man. Very interesting. Uh, <clears throat> I've I've seen the picture that apparently came off of this. 
So I guess H.G. Wells was a very godly man too then, right? Uh, I, I didn't say anything about godly. <laughs> <laughs> Who came up with a time machine first, Father Annetti or H.G. Wells? H.G. Wells. That's exactly. If you scroll about halfway down in that uh, link that I sent there, Vic, you can see the picture that I put in the Let's chat. See here. And you can see the picture that they think it was modeled after. I don't have that on mine. You see about halfway down? Yeah. All right, I see the guy. Yeah, right, keep on. going down. Okay, so here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing, you know, kind of a AI-looking artsy picture. Um, seeing a video about ancient Egypt. I'm seeing a crucifixion scene. Kind of an El Greco-looking crucifixion scene. And then I'm seeing a video... Are you? Did you follow the link that I put in the chat, Vic? Yeah, I'm seeing. Is it before or after the newspaper article? It's uh, right after the newspaper article. Okay, the chronicles remains of Vatican mystery. Yeah, it, it shows a black and white picture of what supposedly be Christ, and then the old painting. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you can on see the them side by side. The one on the left is the the chronovisor. The one on the right is the painting. Now there are some slight differences, like the sort of the yeah. angle, you know, the nose. But uh, well, I can say the one on the left looks more of a Jewish descent than the one on the right. Yeah, uh, I can I I can see the argument there. Well, the the interesting thing about stories like this is that there's just enough real information and real data that you can dangerous. that you can say hmm maybe now i'm, I'm if so, you know if <clears throat> once again the arbiter of truth comes to me and says is the chronovisor real no no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, i i am i am pretty comfortable making that call for the arbiter of truth um <laughs> But I'm I but see, I am willing to contemplate the idea that it might be real. But yeah, so am I. I I agree, but it's arguments like this, and just like you guys said, it, it gives to me it. And this is just strictly my opinion. It gives just enough argument to make it dangerous, if that makes sense. Well, if, it does and, make and, it makes perfect and, sense. I mean, it 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 it's the sort of thing yeah. that could could convince. Right, somebody, and that's that's the only reason why I use the term dangerous because it it can mislead without enough factual proof and lead people astray from reality. In other words, I mean it, it's 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 that kind of danger. It's just it's so just. What do you think his motivations would have been? Not not for making the chronovisor, but for saying that he had made the chronovisor. Fame, pride. Or That's just me. maybe he felt it would be a better way of converting people to believe in Christ. I mean, well, if, would if, you would you well, okay, well who would want to use misleading well, all right. Okay, now you don't struck Father Mike. Okay? Yeah, this is fa this is Father Mike. I mean he I, saying so, that perhaps so, he was willing to lie 
in order to exactly why mm-hmm. would why would you why would any true follower of Christ want to bring a mistruth to bring about the Lord of truth? Well, and that's something to think about. It, the, the the answer is going to be like most sin, pride. Exactly, and so that's why I said pride in the beginning. Right, and so, so and so since we since we went around the mountain to get to that same answer, I don't under I I just don't I wouldn't I wouldn't give I wouldn't give this the time of the day. I mean, it's it's just. I mean, I, even the picture. Uh, of course, that picture could have been easy fabricated, and that's why I said that I can see the argument because the one on the left it did look more of a Jewish descent. Well, anybody knows that Christ was a Jew, so mm-hmm. we're, we're we're not going to make the painting or we're not going to make this new photograph into the image of a English person. No, so. And then, and then we're going to claim to be a world-class exorcist that fights off demonic powers. Hello, everyone. This is Cedric Dankworth Smythe. History is actually full of what are called pious frauds. At least at times, these have been encouraged. Martin Luther was known to say that not only that reason is faith's greatest enemy, but he also said, What harm would it do if a man told a good, strong lie for the sake of the good and for the Christian church. A lie out of necessity, a useful lie. Such lies would not be against God. He would accept them. I greatly hope that Vicar Manson disagrees. Are there records of exorcisms? I mean, if you if you wanted to go look up, I wonder how many exorcisms Father and Erdy did. I Is, don't know. Google it. Is there like... Uh, Exorcism Yearbook, nineteen forty-three. Well, if (laughs) if if he truly performed exorcisms, there would be a record somewhere. There would be a record online, but it probably would not be public from the Vatican. I don't know. It may not be public. Yeah, I would uh, would think it would not be a public record. (laughs) Probably not. But it gives it gives just enough bit of information. Just like we were talking about the flat earthers, just it, this whole story about this guy and the chronovisor, it gives just enough information to take people. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? By uh, not mistake, but uh, well, by by deception. Deception. That's it. Yeah, by deception. And that deception makes a truth. And so, so, so basically. This guy is taking a lie and turning it into truth by manipulation and misleading a whole group of people. Well, I know there have been religions like, I don't know, the International Church of God or something. Yeah. Where, in fact, I think even I think I think that there is a a part of the Quran that says it's perfectly OK to lie to someone. Yeah. To bring them to. Allah. Right. But Christ said, I am the way, I am the, what's next? The truth. Okay. And the life. Uh, All right. So with that being said, if anybody is using a lie 
to bring about the gospel, that's heresy. Yeah, absolutely. So you <clears throat> could you could fairly say that Father Emerit was a heretic. Oh, I, I I don't think there's really much question that he is. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to figure out what his motivation was. Oh, yeah. Man, I, 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 no, no. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a fascinating story <laughs> that needs to be discussed. I'm just like, I mean, my God, this guy, he, he was a wacko. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very good story. And, 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 and I, I'm, I mean, it needs to be discussed to bring stuff like this to light. But, but I'm just saying the guy went way out there to, <laughs> bring fame and fortune to himself. In other words, that's what I'm getting of it. Do you think but, he got any fame and for- I mean, he got some fame. He definitely he got, got some, some fame. Got some I, fame. I, I don't know about fortune. I find myself. I guess I've known about this story for quite a while. I mean, twenty twenty five years. I've never heard of it until right now. It's fascinating to me, though. Yeah, I've known about it for a while. And unfortunately, the the Vatican, especially the archives, quote unquote, opens themselves up to the same type of attacks that the Masons do, because it's shrouded in secrecy. You right. just right. open yourself up to attacks, and there's nothing that really can be said to be disproven unless you go against a tenant or another. So. Right. Right. Well, I mean, if if everything is secret, then all theories are equally valid. Exactly. And <clears throat> that makes sense. <laughs> I wonder what other secrets might be sitting down there in the Vatican archives. Who knows, man. I would give quite a few number of body parts to find out. <laughs> I mean, you know, Ark of the Covenant, the uh, parts of the True Cross. I mean, the all you have to do foreskin. is convince him you're a legitimate researcher, right? I mean, it's not like you can't get access to the Vatican archives. Right. JJ could probably get access to the Vatican archives. Father Birdsong could probably get access to the to the Vatican archives. You'd have to. I would love it. You'd, you'd have to come up with some kind of uh, scholarly pursuit, telling them why you needed access. Right. <laughs> what was it if you took all of the supposed true pieces of the cross and put them together? Right. You'd have the Queen equal, Mary or something. Yeah. <laughs> it would definitely be a very, very large boat. <laughs> Yeah, I apologize for stepping in you there, JJ. I'm a lot better at that. than I'm a lot better at not stepping on people than I used to be. I'm still not a pro. Really? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to. I couldn't resist. Go on. That was a good one. That's a good one, JJ. <laughs> well, hey, uh, JJ, uh, I really like the way you got our man strutting in the background now. Oh, oh yeah. Clive, he's got to get his groove on. I, I still think groove on. I think you need to pose him differently for each show and see who notices. There you go. That'd be that cool. Would actually be a good idea. I think we need but, to make a um, a stop motion video of him. Yeah. 
holding the paranormal rundown sign or something. There you go. I like that. (laughs) Well, I mean, I am adding to the cast of characters now. I now have my new tufted carpet square. I've got Clive. Yeah. Clive needs a cool pair of shades and a pimp hat. And he's like a little, yeah, some kind of hat. Definitely. With a feather? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, a, a pimp doubt hat. You know, they are my only friends. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, let me ask let me ask some personal questions. Okay. If the chronovisor existed and you got ten minutes with it. Here's the chronovisor, here's your ticket. Okay. You've got ten minutes. You can dial it into anything you want to see, period, anytime. What would you see? I would want him to show me as much as it would torment me to see it. I would want to be there when Christ was crucified. That's probably the most common answer in the world. But but the re- the reason why I say that is because there's one part that every time I read the Passion, uh-huh, it just kills me. Which and part that is, is that? That is when Christ says, woman, behold your son, behold your son, son, Mm -hmm. behold your mother, behold your mother. Do you know what probably torment was going on at that time? And then also in the hearing of Mary and John, hearing those words, that would be probably the one part. Only second to where he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? That's just my would want to see and hear. You can break this up, right? This 10 minutes. (laughs) There you go. Because I'm well, thinking Pentecost well, would be pretty cool to see too. I, I'm just well, putting. Oh well, yeah. I, I'm yeah, just thinking you get, you, you get ten minutes, and you can you can go back and you can see anything you want anytime. Okay, but, but I've got a I've got a, a laundry list. Okay, okay. let's hear it. Okay. I've got to see the death of Judas. Okay, I understand if there that. is one. Mm-hmm. Got to see. Enoch. Mm. See, because yeah. he is the one figure that never died. He just Disappeared. walked with God. Walked with God. Now, I would and love Elijah, to know what Elijah. that meant. Yeah. I would love to go back to the Cretaceous period and actually see true live dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I would like to go back 13.8 billion years and see the very beginning. The boom. Where you know that thirteen God hovered over the waters of the earth. Yeah, you know that thirteen point eight billion years has, with the James Webb telescope, that may be pushed back a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there has been. I mean, so there is definitely oddness where we've seen 
supermassive black holes much bigger than what we expected, galaxies much bigger than we expected mm -hmm. that are going back, you know, just 500 million years after the time period. How do they form so quickly? Yeah. So there is definitely stuff, mysteries to be found, which is just amazing. So what you really want to go back is 13.9. Nine billion years. <laughs> no, it's thirteen point nine point seven. Is it? A, <laughs> is it an embryo? Is this just one? You know, in front of another. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I like you it. want to tell people what a what a embryo is. Yeah, an embryo is is essentially a me on a bad day. <laughs> it's essentially a donut once you think about it but I mean, there's a couple of different theories it could be that we are in a black hole already and that was kind of the genesis of us being in the black hole but that would explain what lies outside it could be that after the death of one existence, another one is spun up with slightly different parameters. Mm -hmm. There's a whole different host of explanations, and I find all of them fascinating. So, Dave, what are you going to say? I have no idea. I, I, you know, I don't have <clears throat> great desires to see the past. I. It would be, it, I mean, there are questions that would be great to be answered, right? It would be great to see Christ. Like I say, Pentecost would be would be interesting to see. Um, but I, I don't know. You know, my my oldest would love to see the dinosaurs. I loved kid dinosaurs as a kid. That that would be cool too. But ten minutes isn't enough time to really. Yeah, it makes you really have to you know, uh, hone it down. Because almost everything else I'd like to see would just be for the the beauty of seeing it, right? Mm -hmm. I'd love to right. see the Grand right. Canyon formed, right? But I'm not going to see that in a 10-minute time period, no. you know, unless you can hit fast forward. Well, that's what I was thinking. I mean, if you've got a chronovisor, you should be able to hit fast forward. Yeah, <laughs> watch it in, you know, 10 times or 1,000 times uh, – you know, speed. But. Does anybody else remember the TV series The Time Tunnel? Mm -mm. No. Okay, so total, nobody remembers Time Tunnel. Nope. But me. Okay. Well, Time Tunnel was a Irwin Allen Allen thing. You know, he was the voyage to the bottom of the sea. Oh yeah. <clears throat> he did the Land of the Giants. He did Lost in Space. That that was Irwin Allen. Well, he had a he had a one season, really good TV show called The Time Tunnel, and the idea was that out in the desert, uh, the U.S. had built this eight hundred story scientific complex, all to support this time travel machine called the Time Tunnel, and they weren't getting what they wanted out of the people, and they said, "Look, give us some results, or we're going to cut off your funding." So two of the scientists there decided that the best way to get results is just to go into the time tunnel. So it was kind of an early version of Quantum Leap. 
So they would they'd get in the time tunnel, they'd take them back someplace. It never was just, you know, they showed up in a plague-ridden village, um, <laughs> you know, where 60% of the people had died and, you know, they were down to eating dogs and things. They always ended up on the Titanic or, uh, you know, with Napoleon or something. So it was... It's got to be interesting was, stories. Yeah, it's always interesting stories. <clears throat> but they, but it worked kind of like a chronovisor. They could dial in to places in the past, and they could see it like a big TV screen. There in the, there in the time tunnel. It was it was actually a pretty good thing. I suppose if I were going to go back, if I, I would assume once I. Well, I have no qu- look. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the guys who's really bugging me these days is a. Uh, he's not bugging me. He's interesting, but he's a mythicist. So his his whole view of the world is that the entire story of Christ is a fantasy, an invention, that Christ never existed, and so. I mean, once again, that's one of those arguments. Where do you go with that? There's there's really nowhere to go. But I think I'd want to see the Sermon on the Mount. You know, good choice. I, I think that's I think that's what I'd want to see. I just want to be a you know quiet figure there in the crowd uh, who suddenly miraculously knew perfect Aramaic. <laughs> That would be a very awesome time. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and if if all I have was ten minutes, that's enough. All I all I would need to hear is just part of the Sermon on the Mount. I wouldn't need to hear the whole thing. At least the Beatitudes. That would be that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. That'd be, now you realize the the negative side of the chronovisor. Let's say that let's say we had a whole bunch of chronovisors. Well, I mean, yes, you can go back and see the Sermon on the Mount. You can go back and you can see the crucifixion. You can go back and you can see what really happened with the Titanic. You can do all these things, but you can also see into your neighbor's bedroom six seconds ago. <laughs> I did not need that picture <laughs> painted in my brain. Well, am, am I, I don't I... want to know what happened in my neighbor's. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it would be the absolute end of all privacy. Yeah. It there, would why, be. why do you think that I helicopter it in every point chance that I possibly can? <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving someone a show. You never know. Oh my God, you got Josh laughing his tail off over here right now. Well, I could not resist. I'm sorry. That's probably a that's horrible funny. mental image. But <laughs> well, the, the truth is, I don't. Really, a hundred percent know what helicoptering it means, but I think I can uh, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, you can guarantee. Yeah, I, that I think you I got can. It. I think I can figure it out. So, anyway. Howdy, everybody! This here's Bill's Buzzer. I got a new song I want to sing to. 
Well, I want to tell you a story about a helicopter man. Chronovage comes along and he's doing all he can. Wants to make sure those neighbors stay away. So his business is twirling every single day. Vertical, that is. Round and round. <laughs> Look at David. He's, he's, <laughs> I know what he means. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Time for another topic. <laughs> Time for another topic. Okay. Did we just find the title of the episode? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Welcome to the next all right, so, topic all right, of the paranormal <laughs> rundown. Tonight's topic is helicoptering. <laughs> helicoptering it. Oh, my God. J- JJ tells the world about helicoptering, or let's see. <laughs> what, what was that play? JJ was about a Catholic nun. Uh, oh, here like we go. Sister, sister, somebody explains the world, or something like that. I don't know. Oh, all right, that's an Avalon thing. But we'll, anyway, it's 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 a uh, satirical play about a Catholic nun, okay. and, and it has lines in there like, "Oh, Johnny, you have a really beautiful voice. You really do." Would you like to keep that beautiful voice? Yes, sister so-and-so. Well, we'll see what we can do about that. <laughs> All so, righty. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, next. Um, <clears throat> okay. Let's see. Let me uh, make the chronovisor red. So we don't go back there. Okay, there are three left from the great, uh, the great selection. Malachi okay. Martin. What was he? Well, let's just go ahead and start with him. Let's do like David said. While okay, just go, just order. go in order. Okay. Well, Malachi Martin, it is. <clears throat> I, well, I thought Malachi Martin was. What was the name of the book that we just read and listened to, Josh? Hostage of the Devil. Hostage that of the Devil. And it's you guys and Josh that turned me on to that book. And so I immediately got it on Audible and uh, started listening. And I I got to tell you guys, I've read a lot of different books about exorcisms and, and, and different stories and different scenarios that people saw and partook of and everything like that. But I, I got to tell you, when I got turned on to Malachi Martin, it was one of the most real and believable stories of actual accounts that I ever experienced. And to hear the guys open being so open and honest about his experiences, even to the point to where he even mentioned that he was fearful at times. Mm-hmm. I was just really amazed with this guy. And, and I don't know his whole background probably like you guys do, but just listening to that one book, I mean, I I had to step back away from the book for a while, actually. Because it was so truthful. I've heard so, other people say that. And so dark that I told Josh, I said, I can't listen to this very long because that's how it affected me. 
And it takes a lot to affect me that way. But it, oh, was, it, it was not that it was not that I was fearful of it, but I, it, I was overpowered with truth. If that makes sense to no, you. It makes perfect sense. And it just, it just, it was a psychologically difficult thing for you to experience. Exactly. And it amazed me because I could see myself in some of those scenarios and like, I hate to say this, even though even though I know it's real, the book even took me to a whole new level that I didn't know that I could go to of the reality of the demonic and the deception and the in the way he explained the way the enemy would come in and twist things ever so gently and ever so innocently to destroy people on the brink of a spiritual death Mm -hmm. and then finally get to battle. I mean, it just amazed me, but you guys know more than I do about him. So have at it. No, that's as valid a statement to talk about as anything. It's just the, the fact that you, as someone who has lived in that world, you found, yeah, I mean, it just, it 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 took me back a couple of steps. Mm-hmm. I had to. Uh, well, okay, I will put it to you this way: the way I would say that listening to that book took me personally in my experience on a whole different, higher level than I once was. It increased my wisdom. It increased my awareness. It increased my, well, it even increased my faith, even though the book was so hard to listen to. Mm-hmm. It, it took it took me, well, the, the, the only way that I can put it was the book really helped me mm-hmm. in the ministry of exorcism. Just by listening to it, and listening to those accounts and to listening to this guy tell truth about real cases. And that says a lot for me to say that. Go ahead, JJ. So I can say without hyperbole that there were two formative experiences while I was going to college and later to grad school that really account for me being here right now. The first was what was reading Hostage to the Devil, The Possession and Exorcism of Five Contemporary Americans, even though it's really yeah. six with the updated uh, preface and um, and uh, outward. But when I read that book the very first time, I had in a theology class, nonetheless, I had nightmares for, I'm shitting you, and of course I have nightmares all the time, but I had the worst nightmares of my life for six months afterwards. I can see that, yeah. It petrified me, especially as a philosophy major, 
who was also studying very heavily at the time postmodernism. And that first story, if you haven't read it, it's a doozy. Then, yes, that absolutely put the fear of God into me. And that actually, and just to back up a little bit, so Father Martin was a Jesuit priest. He was the advisor of, I believe, three different popes. And during his last papal advisory position, he asked to be released from his vow of poverty in order to lead a more secular life. Uh He was granted that, so he was never freed from his vow of poverty. Obedience and chastity. Of obedience and chastity. So he could still give Mass Mm -hmm. in a legitimate fashion. But he had to have a way in order to support himself. So he went, moved to New York, and began writing books. And Hostage to the Devil is by and far his runaway success that goes, and it's very unique in that it not only takes a case of several different cases of possession, and tells it from the viewpoint of the possessed, but also from the priest. And then it goes into the exorcism itself. It dispels a lot of the quote-unquote Hollywood notions that most people have just who don't know anything better. Uh, Exorcisms do not take place in a 30-minute session. No. They are very long, drawn-out affairs. They are dangerous in a very fundamental fashion. And even more, the book goes further by outlining some of the major theological aspects of exorcism and the Roman ritual and of possession. And finally, it I don't know if it was the very first book to do so, but it also outlined what perfect possession is. Mm-hmm. And also, an even lesser known, what an avatar is. And that's something that I have never seen discussed before or after, honestly, in any serious work. And that's something I would love to be able to know more about. There is a very horrible. I never, I, I never knew anything about avatars until this book. Yeah, I I didn't either. That that was a whole new. Why don't you guys? For me, you guys have both read the book more recently than I have. What's that? you, You said you have both read the book more recently than I have. Would you mind talking about his discussion of avatars? Yeah, sure. And I don't know if that's the exact correct term. It's in, I believe, the fourth story. And what it's defined as is a lesser demon who is in service to a higher demon who is attempting to pave the way of with a possession of that individual for said higher demon. And and also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, DJ, because you know more about it than I do. But this this so-called lower demon 
that is in power of the higher demon that's doing the work, they actually become a quote unquote friend of the person. Yes. And, and even has a name for it. Kind of like, uh, uh, somebody calling a demon Captain Howdy or something. Captain Howdy becomes their friend and encourages them in certain actions, uh, influences their thoughts uh, in order for the higher demon to gain more power over the individual through the said avatar, if that well, makes it, sense to you. Yeah, so it this, started this, off as a friend, but then it became more and more intrusive to the point of absolute annoyance and then hatred, which exactly. is what made the person seek out help to begin with. Right. But, I mean, the book is, it's phenomenal. I mean, if you assume that every of these cases were true, which uh, I I do, I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. I do too. It points out the dangers of ideas, and it, and this is true not only for the possessed, but also for priests. Um, yeah. The third, second, or th- I think with the third story, uh, but anyway, it was a priest who became possessed. Now that and, one was the one that freaked me out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I can see why it that one shook me as well because this is the priest began to substitute word specific words for God with generic monikers: the light, the universe. And it actually caused physical pain for them to attempt to say the name of the divinity. Just saying the word God. Yeah, it was. And in fact, uh, people knew something was wrong because he was was this, he was officiating a wedding, and he was trying to get through a liturgy. Yeah, and he he froze and he could not move, could not speak. And he stayed like that. You see, that's yeah. what that's that what mess got up me because it, it. I knew I've always known that there has been danger in exorcisms. I've always, I'm going to put it this way: I've always thought that there could be dangers for me. But this book really brought to light on my behalf. Of there's such a fine line, and you got you each each of you know my thought about the whole thing, about being that watchman on the wall that I tell you guys about all the time. But to hear a real life story of such a battle of a priest to the point to where he was almost overtaken. Like I said, I, I've always known it could happen, but to but to hear about it in in one of these stories, it just brought it to a whole nother level of realization to me, and and I'll use the term "scared me straight" once more. How about I that? I can understand that. It it, nope. it brought about that whole new respect again. Hey, this is 
Uh, well, it, it, it told me once again that, hey, this stuff is real and it's nothing to play around with. But and he getting, does such a wonderful job in it. But getting back to Father Martin himself, yeah. he uh, uh, he is a very controversial figure, not only because he left the Jesuits and wrote this very... Uh, this very illuminating book, but he also wrote some other much more controversial uh, novels, uh, well, books, I would say, uh, Mm -hmm. such as The House of Leaves. And that one is all about how the the satanic has actually infiltrated into the upper echelons of the Catholic Church. It is nigh on impossible to find this book (laughs) for sale anywhere. Uh, It has been, I don't know if it's been actively suppressed, but it is really hard to find it in print anymore. Oh, I'm Um, sure. And this is the book that has the the story. Now, I haven't read it, but I've heard it I haven't read it either. I couldn't find it. This is the book that has the story where he talks about a ritual of enthroning Satan in the Vatican. Yes. And this is what we were talking about last time, about the uh, exorcisms becoming harder. So it was his thought, I believe I heard this on an interview, that that was when things became more difficult, was after that ritual was performed. Does that sound right, J.J.? Yeah, it does. You got it exactly right. And he did go on Art Bell on at least six different times that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. And those are highly illuminating conversations that they had. Uh, Father Martin actually participated in profiling. Uh, he took of all of the cases that he was aware of, that his priest friends had worked on, that he had worked on. And I think he said that it was well over 700. And they tried to come up with any correlations between why certain people were targeted. And the answer was there was no correlation. It was complete, at least according to the profile, everything was completely random. And there is some hints about that within hostage to the devil. Well, that's, that's the very same reason that, uh, in the early 1900s, when was it, Josh? In 1972, that Saint or Pope Paul VI said, quote unquote, that the smoke of hell has entered the church. And a lot of that has been fueled by the second second you know vatican council and radical changes to mass taking it out from latin putting it into native languages allowing uh different regions to have their own culturally significant ways of expressing religion now that piece of it i think is absolutely right i don't mean i mean that is it should that should be allowed whether it should be been taken out of Latin or not, that I can't really 
tell you. I will let other Catholic scholars debate that one till the cows come home. Well, that's um, not have, worth for me to debate. Have you guys, I mean, it's just, <laughs> have you guys heard the Bernard Jansen interviews? I have. No. They're actually, in many ways, better than the Art Bell interviews. They are fascinating. <clears throat> and one of the reasons, I think, is that he was talking to a much smaller audience. And <clears throat> I think when he was talking to Bell, there was a certain desire on his part to be entertaining. Mm, and, that's true. And when he's talking to Jansen, it's very much like a a teacher talking to a bright student. Yeah, that's that is about that tone. Yeah, uh, that's that's very much what it's like. There's 22 of them uh, that you can find. I don't know where else you can find them. I listened to them on the Wayback Machine, mm-hmm. uh, the webarchive.org, and there. I, I went to the uh, the website that they reference, and it does not carry them anymore. So you can only find these on the Wayback Machine for that website. But I, I don't know if they're anywhere else or not. But I've listened to about seven or eight of them, and the what I find interesting about it. I mean, yeah, all the the exorcist stuff is is interesting. I think at this point, not a lot of that is new from other stuff that I've heard or, or read. But all of the inside politics in the church is fascinating and predictions about what was going to happen and why and what should have happened. Um, that stuff is really fascinating that's in there. I can imagine. I will have to go dig those out. Oh, and just for anyone listening, so there is a truly spectacularly, amazingly horrible documentary called By the Same Name as the Book. And it is all about. How you really feel about JJ? uh, So (laughs) I was actually excited about this one because it's by the same people that did the Nightmare, which is one of my favorite documentaries. Period, and is a truly frightening set of accounts about sleep paralysis. And then I heard, oh, they're going to do in the name of the devil. I went, okay, got me, you know, I've got to check this out. And it was nothing but hearsay and controversy for controversy's sake. So, I mean, watch it if you'd like to. I'm not, I can't tell you what to do, but that one is in no way, shape, or form indicative of the book. Yeah, this you're talking about the the one that's out on Netflix, the, the yeah, documentary. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So he went on to create a podcast that which I refuse to listen to. I, you know, it wasn't bad. I uh, it, it there's some great stuff in that podcast about the guy that he was that was his driver talking about things that uh that father martin went through and you can see the interviewer the guy who did the documentary is trying to 
be objective, right? And not side mm-hmm. with whether whether he was real or whether he was, you know, trumped up and not, you know, was full of crap, right? Yep. And, you know, he came out and said it in one of the pre-episodes to the, I think he's about to come out with season two. Uh, and hopefully they did something on YouTube. I don't know if that's considered season two or not, but he did finally come out and say, you know, I believe he was genuine after all the stuff that I've read, looked at video clips. I've seen interviews I've done. I think he was the real thing. And so, yeah. And I I will say that there is an entire, secondary set of personalities and characters that have been following in the wake of Father Martin's legacy. Ralph Sarchi, to name probably the tip of the iceberg, if not a lot more. Mm -hmm. I personally have zero interest in Ralph Sarchi or what he believes or what his activities are. If you like him, that's fantastic. I'm happy for you. But I have I've always been kind of a purist and have only looked at Martin and the works that he has done. But that's my hot take and I'm not saying that it's valid or not. <laughs> well, Sarchi's a, a controversial figure to a degree, and he certainly doesn't have the depth that Father Martin does in terms of his knowledge and experience. But what I've I've heard about him is generally he's a genuine believer and person trying to do good. I be- yeah, right? I completely believe it, that. It, and his methods may be a, a little out there and he may step out of bounds a little bit every now and then, but his heart's in the right place. And I would agree with that. Um, did you see the movie that was about him? I think we brought that up I before. don't think so. That was, um, oh, man, I'm going to re- remember the name of it. Uh, Deliver Us From Evil. No, I have not. Oh, it's, that's a, well, I enjoyed it. I'll say that. It's been a long time since I watched it. I watched it a couple of times. But um, the, the guy, it's, uh, I think, Eric Bana that uh is the actor in it so i mean he's nothing like sarchi from a <laughs> sarchi is like way <laughs> over the top compared to him um but but that was a, a good one what's your take on father martin vic well i wanted to ask a question first off uh that's a long question to answer please understand <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to go back and read hostage to the devil again but because I've forgotten some things, but JJ, the one you're talking about, the story you're talking about concerning the priest, didn't he spend some time in that story talking about Teilhard, Teilhard de Chardin? Yes. Saying yes, he did. that that particular priest had become very fascinated and enamored with the writings of de Chardin. Yep. You got it. And he, he thought that, well, he kind of makes the, the, suggestion that going down that path damaged him 
Oh, it was far more than a suggestion. It was an outright accusation, in fact. Okay, fair enough. Well. And this is the one thing about Martin, and actually something that is shared amongst a lot of other Catholic exorcists that I have heard speak publicly. And that is, if you do not believe in a pure biblical worldview, then you invite yourself to danger and exposure. And that is something that I am not quite sure that I jive with either. But but this is expressed not only with the priest that became possessed, but also with even just touring with uh, postmodernism. Well, we uh, we have talked about this many times, not on this specific subject, but many times in a lot of our podcasts, we've talked about, uh, JJ, if you remember, about o- opening different doors. Yep. And, and sometimes I believe that we don't realize that we're doing it because sometimes it can happen so instantly. And if one is not under a true state of grace, I put it, with all of their senses intact, you are going at some point to cross that line. And that's when uh, we ourselves will become attacked or vulnerable by actually what we're trying to defend the other person against. And, and that's, that's the reason why you hear so many times that you shouldn't try to entertain the demon during a time of exorcist. Mm-hmm. Why you shouldn't enter into a deep conversation. Uh, and, and, and I will be the first to tell you that it, that is, that is very easy to do. And so it's a lot easier said than done. And the one thing that's why I so enjoyed the book of Father Malachi Martin is that in each, I would say in each and every one of the stories that he told or accounts that he told, um, you could, if you go back and read it once again or, or listen to it, in each story, that line is either almost crossed or very slimly crossed because it's 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 human nature to want to know more about what's going on. And the demon has a way of sucking you in. And, and but but at at any rate to, to 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 make a very long story short, it can happen so very innocently that we don't realize that it's happening. Sure. Oh, does that make sense to you? No, it, it absolutely does. And in fact, I don't mean to turn this into a small confessional, but no. I think I think that I'm going to. Okay. Unburden yourself, my son. I, I greatly appreciate that. This, this has actually been weighing on my heart quite a bit. 
because so on my the latest episodes that I have done for Southern Demonology is all about the Satanic Temple and the Church of Satan. And the thing is, is that when I read the seven tenets of the Satanic Temple, I agree wholeheartedly with about five of them. Which are? Oh, I'm not even going to get into that. Okay. And that would be a topic in and of another day. A whole nother one. Okay, we can do that. Well, I assume you disagree with the destroy your enemies utterly. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> now, the thing is, is that I don't... So, just to catch everybody up, the Satanic Temple states that there is no God, there is no Satan, there is no devil. And they also disavow themselves of the found, from the founder of the original Church of Satan, Anton LaVey. And LaVey believed in magic. They say they do not. I don't entirely trust all of that. <laughs> However... That's probably a good good thing. Yeah, uh, complete. I mean, uh, if if you take the name of the liar, then how can you really trust everything that's said for vote for Bowden? But I thoroughly, like, wholeheartedly believe in quite a few of their tenets to the point where I have been, <coughs> excuse me, I have been tempted to join a few of their virtual congregations, not to join. But I'm curious. But to listen, to learn. Yeah. And uh-huh. I, and when I say that I am curious, it is curiosity is my ultimate downfall. When I get sucked into something, I go ho hog. And I know that if I open that door, it will lead to nothing but danger for That's me. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. And I would so agree with I you will on that not last do statement. It, but the temptation is there. And yeah, I, I just, I, I've got to go to mass. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> well, I, uh, I understand the, the curiosity, right? I, my curiosity has taken me all kinds of places I shouldn't have gone throughout my life. But at the same time, the knowledge I have from those paths is, is powerful. Right. Right. Uh, you know, there's, there's benefit from that, but it is, it is a risk. When, when you think about what we've talked about, the idea of, of opening doors and not living a biblical life may be a way of opening that door. There's a lots of things that open doors, right? All kinds of different sins and so on, and not everybody's walking around under oppression or possession. You know, it's just, that's not the way that it is. But I, I sort of have come to the point of view myself that it's like a virus. Right, you have a demonic 
interaction. Someone gets possessed. Someone gets oppressed. It attaches to them. It follows them around. And then it spreads itself to the people in their life, people they come in contact with. Become possessed, then you're even spreading it more, right? If you are a person who is uh, living a life where you are influencing others in beliefs, then you're reaching even more people. And it, it literally spreads like that. The, the doors, the opening of those doors, it's almost like your immune system, right? You build your immune system over time, you know, the church, your beliefs, you know, whether it's confession, prayer, all those things are shoring up your immune system. If you don't have that, your immune system is weak. And therefore, you come in contact with somebody who is being oppressed or is possessed, then your ability to pick up that from them is high. I would agree with that. In fact, I would say, I mean, and the doors, they can take any shape. Me starting Southern Demonology was absolutely opening a door. Um, but I have, and I, I would say that I am constantly under demonic obsession. I have been targeted. I have had strange health issues that popped up. I have a lot of weird stuff happened. And it wasn't, if, if it was not for the methods of protection and Psalm 91, that in the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel, hint, hint for what's coming up, then I think I might be a whole lot off. And Father Birdsong, I will say that. I respect you and your office a tremendous amount because I am not even in the doorway. I am just a bystander somewhere off in the crowd, and you have stepped into the breach, and you are right then and there. And that is something I don't think that's really talked about that much, but it is not a safe spot to be in. Well, with that being said, uh, you mentioned the prayer of St. Michael. And I'll tell you what, I'll just hold on to that till we get to that subject. But, Vic, I wasn't trying to take away from your, to your question. Yeah. We would like to hear your opinion. No, too, you you didn't take away from anything. <clears throat> no, go you, ahead, Vic. You, you enhanced everything. I remember reading Hostage to the Devil years and years ago. I'm sure it wasn't the current version. And I had the same exact response to it that you guys have had. You know, for a, a two-week period, I was – every bit of mental energy I had went into reading that book and trying to understand what was going on there. I mean, of course, I had to, you know, go to work and do other things. But every moment I had when I wasn't doing something else, I was reading that book. <clears throat> and I remember at the time just realizing that – Man, this is a very serious mind that wrote this book. Absolutely. I mean, a, a very serious mind that wrote this book. And so then you go to learn about the man, and he had, I believe, three doctorates. Um, 
<clears throat> I think he was, uh, he didn't become ordained and think until he was like his mid thirties. But, <clears throat> but when he, when he was talking to, to Art Bell, he was just talking about, you know, why did you get to do all these things? And he, he says, look, I was young. I was strong. I was healthy. I could, I could, you know, work a hundred hours a week, sleep three hours and be just fine. <laughs> you know, I, I could, I could teach, I could, I could speak all these languages. And I believe that Hostage of the Devil is an absolutely true book. I also came to believe over time that Malachi Martin, being a man, was a human, was perfect, perfectly capable of lying, and that he probably did do some lying, especially later in his life. But some of the stories that he tells are so astounding. So there's a story that he would tell about there was a priest in Russia who was behaving badly. I don't remember exactly what it was they were doing. But the church wanted to laicize this priest. And there was no bishop in that part of Russia to take care of the problem. Malachi Martin had been in Russia. They knew him. They kind of trusted him. And they said, all right, we're going to send you to take care of the problem of this priest. And he said, look, I'm, I'm not a bishop. And they said, well, let's go to the chapel across the hall. And in 15 minutes, that will not be the case anymore. <laughs> and, and so I believe that's probably a true story. And then because he did go to Russia and I believe he was he was a bishop. Now, I've never quite understood why once you are a bishop, you would be kind of a crypto bishop. You know, why that wouldn't be, you know, hi, I'm, I'm Bishop Martin. There's certainly nothing dishonorable about that. The more difficult story is that at some point he was made a cardinal. And... Once again, he was kind of this crypto cardinal. And the idea was that at some point if the church falls, if everything goes completely to hell, we're going to need a group of men to restart it. And so we're going to have these cardinals out there in the world ready to take over, ready to rebuild the church, if, if, that, if that happens. The other thing I can remember is just the incredible elegance of his thoughts and the way he communicated to people. I, I mean, just, I can remember putting uh, Art Bell on, you know, say a podcast repeat and just listening to it all day long over and over and over again, just nope. the same, the same exact statements. And some of the things he said made me just stop in my tracks. So of course the, the biggest thing for me was his, discussion of perfect possession and then finding myself in the hospital dealing with people who seem to be in some state of existence other than fully human and having the awareness that my, you know, my God, I'm in a situation. I don't have any idea what to do. And, and even, and then even realizing that, I could recognize it for some reason 
But the other people working around me, it was like they just forgot about it. You know, an hour later, it was like that patient never existed. And these were some pretty hardcore patients. And so I, I just remember thinking, I never thought I would find a, a real-world representation of what he was talking about with perfect possession. But he also said other things. I mean, he, he was talking about, Art Bell was asking him something along the lines of, why is the world changing the way it is? Why is there so much chaos? And he said, very simply, he said, Art, God is withholding his grace. <laughs> Man, that's a powerful statement. <laughs> yep. That's a little bit. That's a, that's a very powerful statement. He wasn't saying this ironically. He wasn't saying this to get attention. He was just straight up saying, you know, God is withholding his grace. And the more I think about it, the more I have difficulty refuting that. So, of, of all the thinkers that I've dealt with, you know, Martin is in the, certainly the top ten of people. And, and he, well, what did he do? He worked for the National Review. He was a religious editor for, editor for the National Review, I think. And toward the end of his life, I think he most likely uh, neglected his vow of chastity. But once again, he's a man. He's a human. And sin is part of being a human. That, that doesn't mean that the things that he talked about, the concepts that he put across, are in any way less legitimate. So oh, I, I have never forsaken one of my vows. <laughs> well, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> and I got some motion front property in Arizona. <laughs> but 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 anyway, I would say too. I, I've <clears throat> I tried to bring Martin up to people that I thought might have read some of his books. It's most people don't want to talk about him. Most people don't want to talk about serious issues. Period. But that's one of the reasons why I so much look forward to doing this show. Yeah. Because I've got three other pretty darn good minds that are willing to talk about some of these difficult topics. But I can't think of anybody that I can place in a more fascinating position than, than Malachi Martin. Yep, I would agree. And actually, going back to him being one of the reasons why I'm here, uh it was because of him that I actually wanted to pursue the Jesuits. Um, when I was at Harvard, I took spiritual direction from the Jesuits because one of my fellow colleagues was a Jesuit priest who was getting his PhD there. And I, that is probably the most humbling experience I have ever had. And just learning better ways to pray. Um, oh, okay. Loved every single moment of that. Um, but even more than that, the first time I ever met Vic was getting an, an audio email from him discussing some of these possible cases that he just alluded to and us having a three-part conversation. Well, a conversation that was divided into three parts. And yeah, I would say from that point on, things have taken a much more interesting turn. So, 
I guess that was kind of a weird way to communicate. <laughs> no, I loved it. And it, honestly, it felt entirely natural. It's the first time I've ever gotten an audio message from somebody else. And uh, honestly, to tell you the truth, you sounded so much better than I did that it started my <laughs> obsession to increase the own, my own sound quality on the show. So. <laughs> the... Um the crazy guy. One of the things who, that. Hang on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang on. I'm sorry, the, go ahead. the crazy guy that I, not crazy, the very eccentric guy that I talked about with the puffer belly demon. <laughs> he, he got in touch with Martin. Oh, really? Went through his publisher, whatever he needed to do. I don't know what he did. But this was some years before they published Windswept House because it was something he'd been working on for quite a while. And he was spending a lot of time in New Orleans, where a lot of that book happens. He drove over to New Orleans and had lunch with him. You know, that he's, he said he was, you know, willing to sit down and, and have lunch. So, man, that's a fascinating experience. I didn't get to go. <laughs> I could not even begin to imagine. <laughs> Gage has, or my <laughs> my my friend. One of the things you had to say about him was he had serious cojones. <laughs> I can believe that from everything that I've heard that you share. <laughs> serious cojones. I mean, he he was he was willing to just take any risk, and a lot of times they paid off. So, all right, JJ, that's my view. You can get windswept house on. Amazon for $20. You can get it for free on Scrib. And $10 on Kindle. Yeah. I but will you, have to do that. But you can't get House of Leaves. Oh, is House of Leaves well, the other no, one? I th no, it, the one I was thinking of was Windswept House. house. Okay. Well, there's a, a, a recent novel by a guy whose last name starts with Z uh, called House of Leaves. Yes, that's what I'm seeing up here, not the... Other one. Hello, this is Avalon Lee and Dankworth Smythe. I think the gang of nerds did an admirable job tonight, creating a top-notch paranormal rundown. Please don't tell them I said this. We have no dungeon talk for this episode. Instead, we will leave you with a spiritual thought from J.J., in which he discusses a method of prayer that he learned from a Jesuit source while attending Harvard. Take it away, J.J. I still use it to this day. It is, imagine that you are in a labyrinthine room filled with twists and turns you can vaguely see where you're going, but not really until finally you come to a door. You open the door. There are two chairs and one chair is empty and the other chair sits Christ. Sit down and talk. And the, the, the labyrinthine room is what you do to meditate before you have the conversation. It's simple, 
It's beautiful. It's powerful. I love it. Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Rundown. As I was editing this, I kept thinking, is this the last episode of 2023? Or is this the first episode of 2024? It's the first episode of 2024. If you enjoy the Paranormal Rundown, please tell your friends about it. Please rate and review it. Nothing would make us happier than to receive your feedback, your critique, your thoughts at feedback at paranormalrundown.com. For another two weeks, this is Vic Hermanson saying goodbye to all the Paranormal Rundown fans. Good night.